Welcome to the SNS ICE podcast, your go-to source for the latest news and in-depth insights into the world of 6G in Europe. Join us as we dive into industry news, analyze the latest trends, and discuss the development of the new generation of cellular networks. Hello, everyone. I would like to welcome you to this uh, podcast. My name is uh, Ioannis Tomkos. I'm a professor of uh, telecommunications at the University of Patras uh, in Greece, and I act as consultant for various uh, telecom organizations and forums. I'm also a member of uh, the 6G uh, SNS, Smart Networks and Services Steering Board in Europe. It is really my sincere pleasure to um, have this discussion today with uh, Professor Eric Berger. He is uh, very well known uh, across uh, the industry and academia for uh, reasons I will uh, describe briefly in a while. We got to meet it, each other in um, a couple of uh, months ago and discussed about the possible collaboration in setting up some um, research project between Europe and uh, USA. Eric is a highly distinguished uh, individual with many achievements and roles. I really do not know from where to to start. He has been research uh, director these days at the Commonwealth Cyber Initiative Institute and research professor at um, Virginia Tech. In the past, uh, he was uh, advisor to the president of the United States and also to assistant uh, director of the White House Office for Science and Technology Policy. All these are uh, very impressive, but today uh, he's with us uh, because of uh, his role as um, Chief Technical Officer of the NextG Alliance, an association that is uh, trying to promote um, 6G uh, network development in USA. Of course, he will talk uh, to us uh, more about uh, what he does there and what is the role of this uh, 6G uh, Alliance. So, Let's uh, let's hear from you, Eric, uh, and uh, I guess we can uh, start with uh, uh, an introduction to what is the uh, structure, scope, and targets of this next uh, G Alliance. Well, thank you, Anis, and uh, thank you to the t- production team and uh, everyone. And uh, we'll talk a little bit later about it, but uh, we've uh, been having a lot of wonderful collaborative work uh, between the Next G Alliance and uh, 6G SNS. And uh, basically, the purpose of the Next G Alliance uh, really was to make 6G something for people. You might remember about 10 years ago when we were defining 5G. Basically, the definition was, well, it'll be 10 times faster, 10 times more bandwidth, 10 times more spectrum. And the policymakers were like, uh, okay, that's interesting. You know, Basically, why do I care? With 6G, we're starting, and the next G Alliance has started with societal and economic needs. Uh, what are the applications? What are people going to use it for? And then and it does happen, yeah, probably 10 times faster, when, you know, another tenth off the latency, but not because of the technology. The other thing we saw was that um, North America, which used to be sort of the, the center of the world for wireless technology with uh, Lucent and Nortel uh, and a lot of leadership from carriers, that had Uh, kind of been ceded to uh, other parts of the world. And so this was kind of a wake-up call because 5G actually is pretty good for Europe. 
for for most of the the, the geography of, of Europe and uh, China, uh, but there were a lot of needs for North America that that were uh, kind of left out. So we don't want to miss out on that opportunity. Uh, and the other thing is, it's an initiative of ADIS, the Alliance for Telecommunications Industry Solutions. That's like the North American version of Etsy. Uh, so we absolutely positively in no way want to be creating the North American 6G standard. You know, this is really just to have our priorities and requirements baked into 6G, but it's still the global 3GPP one market standards that we're looking for. So certainly you have an eye on uh, what is coming up with the 6G networks of the future, but I guess Currently in US, uh, you are also investigating um, the evolution of uh, 5G as uh, 5G advanced on the road to, to 6G. So uh, on this roadmap, what are proposed uh, policies and regulations uh, or initiatives you have come up with as uh, Next G Alliance and you are uh, proposing those to uh, government officials and uh, the, the whole ecosystem in uh, USA? Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, one thing that uh, we've done, starting with 3G, uh, was more spectrum, you know, more spectrum allocation for, uh, although here's where's a difference between all the Gs up until 6G. Uh, not only more exclusively licensed spectrum to carriers, but more unlicensed spectrum. Uh -huh. And definitely... You know, if you look at the spectrum map in any country, more spectrum sharing. But 6G really is a spectrum sharing native approach, which, you know, yes, that's obviously technology to enable sharing, but there's also a lot of policy that uh, needs to happen there. Uh, as you'd mentioned on the, the research side, uh, the United States unquestionably spends the most on basic wireless research. Uh, and we've just done a study that shows we spend probably the least on uh, uh, wireless applications. Uh, you know, Finland and Germany, which are much smaller than the United States, each individually spend more on wireless application research than the United States does. So we've been discussing like the uh, potentials for public-private partnerships, uh, similar to to what you're involved with. You know, we we do look around the world, see what models seem to be working, and um, are in discussions to see if we can't do something similar in uh, North America. Okay, uh, so indeed in Europe we have established uh, this um, uh, 6G smart networks and uh, services uh, joint undertaken, and the associated uh, 6G uh, infrastructure association. Uh, so this is a kind of similar uh, activity with uh, what uh, you are uh, uh, focusing on with the next next G alliance. And likewise, uh, here we have our own, let's say, way to structure things uh, with uh, certain working groups focusing on certain topics. Perhaps you can uh, let us know what are uh, the main working groups uh, that uh, you have established in order to investigate the way to move forward with the 6G network. So essentially kind of uh, the structure of this uh, next G alliance. Absolutely. So we do have uh, six working groups where the work is done. And then we have two other groups. We have a, a full 
member group and we have a steering group. And part of it is to understand this, the uh, membership structure. It is a membership organization. Uh, and the members come from uh, equipment manufacturers, service providers, those you would expect in any telecommunications uh, industry organization. Uh, so you have industry, but you also have academia. We have a number of academic members uh, as well as a research council. So the research council is not a work group, but the research council uh, helps set the direction and helps highlight, you know, what broad areas of research are going on. And by the way, uh, yes, I am the chair of that, but it's not all academics. Uh, half of it's academics, half of it are from uh, the industrial labs that you would recognize like uh, Nokia Bell Labs, Ericsson Research and uh, Qualcomm Research and so on. I have, uh, and then we have, have quite a lot of uh, experience uh, in the private uh, sector yourself, uh, having worked for uh, major uh, software houses, uh, system vendors, and even telecom operators. That's right. That's right. And that's uh, part of uh, how I ended up, uh, I wouldn't say stuck in this job, uh, but you know, having that uh, direct experience as a chief technology officer of a number of network equipment and network software companies, as well as being a full professor at Virginia Tech and you know, prior Georgetown and the government part. And that also is reflected in the Next G Alliance because we also have government members uh, who are there and they're the users uh, typically like FirstNet in the United States, FirstNet is the organization that provides uh, telecommunication services for first responders, police, fire, ambulance. It's wireless. Yeah. that uh, many people uh, across the world would, would like to, you know, copy. That's right. That's right. And so uh, the work groups, uh, as I'd mentioned, we end with technology. Uh, so, you know, we start with a societal and economic needs work group, which has a lot of people. In fact, that's more academic focused because we get the economists and the social psychologists and the uh, sociologists Things like how do we enable elders to stay self-sufficient and in their own homes for longer. Uh, we have the Green G Working Group, uh, so a full working group, uh, because we realized if 6G looks like 5G in terms of energy consumption, then you know it would consume 7% of global energy, which clearly would not be sustainable. We can't have that. We have the applications work group, and this is actually where we have the power of uh, the consortium model. We had one group saying, uh, we want to be able to do 8K stereo drone racing, where there would be 8K stereo vision, you know, 3D vision on a drone for racing. And I was kind of like, yeah, well, yeah, that's kind of interesting. It was the first net people who said we really could use that for first response in hazardous situations where we need to get there quickly, move around quickly, but we can't send people. Uh, and so, you know, new requirements were generated. Uh, that feeds a technology work group uh, who uh, is doing both. How do we meet these key performance indicators that are required by the applications uh, and also bringing out new technologies because there's a feedback loop there because maybe the applications people aren't aware of a new, brand new technology 
And by brand new, this is often from the academics. And yes, it might be five years away and the deployments of 6G are about six or seven years away. So actually the timing kind of works nicely. Um, we have a spectrum work group uh, which uh, is looking a lot at policy. And those feed what we call the 6G National Roadmap work group, which uh, produces the broad roadmap reports. Now, it's not that we have one work product. All of these work groups uh, spin up and publish uh, white papers on you know what's possible, what technology is, what the issues are. And then the roadmap puts it all together. Understood. Uh, I guess the I don't know what do you, do you think, but uh, one of the most important of these uh, working groups is the technology uh, work group, where new uh, technologies will emerge and will be utilized to support the application. Uh, so on that front, on the technology side, we know that both in Europe and also USA there is some uh, shortage of chips, uh, semiconductor industry is not so uh, well uh, advanced in order to produce all these um, basic uh, chips that are required, let's say, to support the, the growth of, of this uh, uh, telecom uh, sector. So are there any initiatives in uh, USA to address this uh, uh, side of things? And what NextG Alliance is uh, thinking about it? Yeah, certainly. Well, uh, the, we have the Chips and Science Act, mm. which is you know spending close to $50 billion <clears throat> on uh, semiconductor uh, fabrication, technology, life cycle. Uh, of which uh, a few, only a few billion are uh, earmarked towards uh, wireless chip design. Uh, so you know that's an initiative that obviously we we strongly supported uh, uh, in conjunction with the semiconductor industry. Uh, we also have, as part of the uh, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, uh, it was. Uh, another you know tens of billions of dollars uh for wireless deployment primarily open ran oh. uh, so that's been a very important initiative in the United States uh, to basically <clears throat> bring back competition in the uh, uh wireless network equipment space you know right now uh there are there are five major vendors <clears throat> of which there are really three Funny. major vendors of which there's really one major vendor. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, how can we uh, level the playing field? And, you know, we did talk about, well, do we just try to build up those incumbent vendors? And the realization was, um, you know, that would be spending on the order of $100 billion. And it wouldn't be clear that you would actually win at the end of the day. So rather than fight head to head, you know, we're changing the sandbox. Uh, and, and that we really see as an opportunity for, I mean, on the one hand, yes, it will impact two European manufacturers, but we see it as a great opportunity for other European manufacturers and Indian manufacturers and Japanese manufacturers that just saying, well, we've got one uh, Far Eastern company and at that point, we'd probably only have one European company. That really is not, not a healthy ecosystem. 
correct. So how do you support the development of the open run ecosystem in order to do, do you build some uh, test beds uh, across the country to to demonstrate to to people to companies uh, let's say the benefits that they can expect from open run what are your uh, uh, activities on that front? Certainly to date, they've been, how should we say, individual. For example, the Commonwealth Cyber Initiative has what we call the XG Lab, because we got tired of calling it the 4G Lab, the 5G Lab, the 6G Lab. And uh, it is, uh, as far as we know, the only end-to-end open source, open RAN implementation. Surprising. Uh, you know, open source all the way down to the uh, SRS ran a uh, European company for uh, uh, the software-defined radios all the way through the core. Uh, so it's not just open source radios, but the whole literally end-to-end, the orchestration, AI catalogs are, are, are all open source. Uh, but that's just uh, Commonwealth Cyber Initiatives. That's, you know, 42 universities and, uh, you know, a couple of companies. Uh, very shortly... Uh, the United States uh, NTIA, National Telecommunications Information Agency, uh, will be announcing winners of a grant program to basically change this concept of, you know, there are all these little labs here and there. And yes, to, to some will be federated, some will just be very large, some will be expansion of new, uh, of existing test beds. Uh, and we may see some some new concepts, uh, you know, uh, come out of that. Fantastic! Uh, that's a really nice federation of uh, test beds, including open run test beds, is uh, something that we're also exploring in Europe, and I believe it's a, a way to uh, move forward. So, uh, with these test beds, let's say, where. What are the type of uh, applications that um, you showcase across uh, different uh, research projects that I'm sure are uh, running currently um, on the topics of 6G? Can you mention some examples? Yeah, so example, again, in, in uh, our lab at the uh, Commonwealth Cyber Initiative, you know, we've demonstrated, uh, again, this first responder uh, kind of application. The way things are done today is you give first responders some dedicated bandwidth, so they're always guaranteed. Uh, and if they're they need more, they kick off other users. And, and to date, it's pretty much been they get kicked off. And uh, as we've seen with uh, a number of disasters, communication for non-first responders is also important. So how do uh, instead of reducing their bandwidth to zero, reducing their bandwidth a little bit. So basically doing some dynamic network slicing. Mm -hmm. uh, and for us, you know, we showed using artificial intelligence, both for the uh, detection and optimal allocation of bandwidth uh, in an R app and an X app that's dealing with, you know, who these people are and do they really need the priority and, uh, uh, and how to give it back. You know, because that's the other thing that happens today is when you kick someone off, they're off. Uh, you know, how do you know when to, to to give them more bandwidth? We've got other labs that uh, are showing a lot of autonomous vehicle work, which is also showcasing, again, another CCI lab has outdoor real FCC licenses, you know, licensed to operate full power, outdoor, non-experimental 
Uh, and that's being used for um, biological monitoring, uh, like floodplains and uh, agriculture and things of that nature. Uh, there's work on medical devices, uh, both all the cool things you can do, like with a personal area network, but also um, a lot of things that people that are creating these apps don't think of is if it's a medical device, it kind of has to work all the time. Uh, and so how do they deal with things like interference? Uh, and those are things that quite a lot of application developers don't uh, think of. Uh, so there are quite a lot of uh, applications out there. I think uh, you know we'll see when NTIA announces the results of this competition for, for labs. I think we'll see a bit more. And that's another initiative of the Next G Alliance because I'm sure there are labs that I don't know about and so we are launching, I can announce here, uh, we are launching a database of uh, wireless research labs uh, to make available to policymakers. And that's what kind of started this. When, when I was in the White House, I asked the question, well, what are our assets? What, what does the nation have? And uh, they had a database that was uh, at least 20 years out of date. Uh, so, uh, you know, to be able to answer that question, uh, good for industry, if they're looking for a partner, good for researchers, you know, we're always looking for partners. And so who's got that, you know, special laboratory asset that would be really useful for some joint research? Correct. Uh, a great idea. And I hope uh, we'll, we will do something similar in uh, Europe. The 6G will uh, start being uh, commercialized by the end of this uh, decade, 2028-2030. But as uh, the other generations will have uh, like a 10 years uh, lifespan. Uh, mm -hmm. If we try to be a bit more futuristic, uh, what do you think uh, 6G networks will achieve by the end of the 2030 decade. In Europe, we talk about Internet of Senses going beyond Internet of Things. We talk, of course, about the, the metaverse. What are applications that we, you foresee will become a reality as 6G will evolve? Yeah, the real vision, because in terms of the applications, you know, we, we have some great white papers out of the applications work group. But again, all of the fantastic applications that we in fact use for why to invest in 5G, why we should be investing in 6G, for the most part were applications we had no idea, you know, what they were. And so, uh, as you said, you know, you're looking at the 6G in Europe as uh, the, the network of senses. We see it that uh, reliable, high-speed networking is as ubiquitous as air. That, you know, really application developers don't need to think about, oh, it's a wireless application. I need to have a small screen. I need to have low bandwidth. I need to have intermittent connectivity. That, you know, what gets freed? What kinds of applications do we see with a ubiquitous, you know, wireless, untethered network? Uh, and by the way, there's a lot of work there uh, that, you know, some people have been talking about, but we don't hear enough of it that, um, you know, this is why we talk about distributed computing, because how do we get all that data back to three data centers in a continent, you know, that that just can't happen. And so, uh, you know, this is giving rise to new models of computation, 
uh, new business models and, you know, hopefully new and useful applications for uh, people to help, you know, people's needs. Hopefully. Let me go to another uh, topic. Uh, uh, recently, we have heard uh, announcements about uh, collaborations that uh, the Next G Alliance has set up with other major associations across uh, the globe. India, for example, Japan, and even with uh, Europe. Uh, we will talk last about uh, that. Uh, what about these other collaborations? Can you say a few things? And also, if there are some bilateral, let's say, collaborations between USA and individual countries, not with, uh, let's say, Europe, uh, European Commission as a whole. Absolutely. So, yes, uh, you know, the next year alliance signed MOUs with uh, uh, Japan and South Korea, uh, India, and our collaboration uh, with, with uh, Europe. Uh, and they vary in uh, activity from joint education opportunities all the way through to uh, you know the work we'll talk about uh, with Europe, which is is a much deeper connection. Uh, I can also talk about joint research. So the National Science Foundation has teamed with its counterparts in various uh, countries. Uh, such as uh, the UK, Ireland, Finland, I believe Germany. Uh, I know we just announced uh, with India and Japan uh, joint research opportunities where researchers from the United States uh, would basically submit a joint proposal with researchers from uh, Europe uh, and then, you know, those all go into competition and then... Um, Basically, the National Science Foundation and the local equivalent of the United National Science Foundation will, will fund those projects uh, to, to foster uh, joint research. Uh, I know my colleagues have won some of like with the Finland competition and the Ireland competition, and you know, we're looking forward uh, to working together. And of course, what that does is even when you don't win, you've forged that uh, team. And quite often, you know, maybe we, you know, the reason it doesn't get funded is, oh, that's not really researchy enough. It, it, it's more of, uh, you know, something that like industry might want directly. Oh, wow. Well, let's go talk to industry. So, you know, it, it creates these uh, ties that, uh, that, that transcend just that one uh, solicitation opportunity. Uh, great. So let's go to uh, the last uh, topic of uh, discussion for today. Uh, we know that uh, the European Commission, through the Smart Networks and Services uh, Joint Undertaking, uh, funded uh, one uh, collaboration project between uh, uh, Europe and uh, USA. The name of it is actually uh, 6G Excel. We have worked uh, together to try to set it up. Uh, and uh, the goal is uh, to foster, let's say, such uh, collaboration on uh, 6G in order to uh, integrate um, AI into uh, the 6G networks infrastructure and support, therefore, new types of uh, services in a better uh, way. Uh, what are your thoughts about this uh, collaboration? Uh, where do you see it uh, going? Yeah, absolutely. And I had talked about uh, like chips and science funding a lot of uh, semiconductor 
we have uh, an AI initiative in uh, the United States that's funding a lot of AI research. And in fact, one of the funding areas is AI and wireless. Uh, and that's one of the things we see about uh, 6G. 5G was about AI in the network. You know, how do we use AI to you know do better spectrum allocation, more efficient energy use, uh, more efficient uh, service? Whereas you know in 6G, obviously more of that, and creating a platform for offering AI to applications native from the network, and that's where initiatives like 6G Excel, uh, I think, can excel. Uh, oh. Where yeah, yeah. So, Eric, um, I think we had an interesting uh, discussion. We had uh, a lot about uh, what you do in uh, USA, and um, uh, we have started a collaboration now between uh, uh, USA and Europe. Hopefully, as uh, we said, uh, we will see nice outcomes. Before we close our discussion, uh, I would like to ask you just uh, your uh, closing remarks, let's say, out of this um, uh discussion we had uh, today. Uh, some uh, thoughts about uh, the future, some uh, suggestions, some wishes. Absolutely. Well, you know, and from our work together on uh, the, the you know latest initiative, you know, joint R&D roadmap for wireless research and wireless and AI research between uh, the US and the EU, I think it shows the power of, of these collaborations. And uh, uh, I think we're going to see more of that. Uh, I really hope we see see more of that because, again, the, the goal is not the North American network or North American research or European network or European research. You know, we really are working towards a, a global, open, interoperable uh, network uh, that we can trust. Yeah. Indeed, to uh, achieve goals that are important for our society. I believe this is uh, our target uh, for all of us. So, Eric, it was really a pleasure uh, discussing with you. Thank you very much for uh, sharing your thoughts and uh, your activities uh, in USA. It was really fantastic to have you with us. Thank you so much, Anis. It was a wonderful time and look forward to working with you further. This podcast is brought to you by SNS ICE, an EU-backed project focused on creating a collaborative environment for the development and deployment of 6G smart networks and services. The project has received funding from the European Union's Horizon Europe Research and Innovation Programme under grant agreement number 10109584.